It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 247, The Maccabean Revolt and the History of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. Daniel eleven twenty nine. At the appointed time you shall return and go towards the south, but it shall be not like the former or the latter. For ships from the west shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant, and forces shall be mustered by him, and he shall defile the sanctuary fortress, and then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. And those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now that we have spoken to the rise of Rome and the Punic Wars, we shift our account back to Israel and the collision of this Roman world in our story. Daniel 10 and 11 speak to campaigns of conquest where the Ptolemies of Egypt and Antiochus of Syria wage, wage war and Israel is in the middle ground. Excessive pillaging and heavy taxation takes its toll. And when a horrible ruler takes it too far, we see an uprising. And in this account, we see the rising up of a national hero and extra-biblical heroes who are celebrated even today. Rarely does our story fall on a holiday, but today it does. And in this episode, we cover the Maccabean Revolt and the history of Hanukkah. At this stage, Antichrist IV rules Israel, and he's a nasty guy, and he's quite strong militarily, and he's bested the descendants of Ptolemy, and he exercises a measure of control over Syria, Asia Minor, Israel, and indirectly imposes a measure of authority over even Egypt. And now great concerns arise over the rise of Rome. Everyone is concerned about Rome, and when Rome ends up in a conflict over Macedonia, Family ties force Antiochus to intervene, and he does with armies fighting in Greece, and he actually sends uh, part of his army into Greece to assist his allies in a fight with Rome, and he loses badly. And Rome, like before, will get just a little bit more territory, and each war, another country or two. And Rome takes Macedonia and other parts of Greece, not all of it, this will come later, but it's that very slow growth which forces Rome to build that road network, that vast road network for the next campaign, which will later increase the rapid increase of the gospel. Antiochus is defeated on land and as well at sea. His fleets are defeated by the Romans. And that's what Daniel 11 says. Ships from the west will come against him. And he loses to Rome and he's forced to pay a huge indemnity. Daniel 11.30 for ships from the west, this would be Rome, shall come against him, and therefore he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. 
people can generally be quite tolerant of others, uh, those in authority, uh, but when they are abused or worse taken advantage of, people will revolt, and that's just what we see. Daniel eleven thirty one. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant, and his forces shall be mustered by him, and he shall defile the sanctuary fortress, and he shall take away the daily sacrifices and place their abomination of desolation. And those who, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. And this is where Antiochus IV, or Antiochus Epiphanes, as history will know him, becomes a type and shadow of the future Antichrist. Or should we say he's just one of many Antichrists that will surface the pages of world history. Antiochus wants to Hellenize the world, and in this context, we're past the Hellenization of spreading ideas of philosophy and business and free will. Now this form of Hellenization, he wants to shove down the throats of the Jews as forced religion. He creates such a fractious divide that two parties arise in Israel, one sided with Greeks and one with the covenant of God. The high priest's own brother changes his name to Jason, and he becomes high priest after he kills his own brother. And Antiochus will desecrate the temple and abolish his sacrifice. And this is where we see the abomination that causes desolation. Antiochus erects a statue of Zeus and sacrifices a pig on the altar. He sprinkles the blood of the pig sacrifice on Torah scrolls and then burns them. The temple is desecrated and converted into a shrine to Zeus. He issues a death sentence to anyone who studies the Torah or practices Judaism. Entire families are killed and those, those who were found to be circumcised were thrown off the city walls. Jews hide in the hills and many Jews resist. Daniel 11.32 But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. When it says the people of God shall be strong and carry out great exploits, they will. When it said Moses was humble, he was humbled. The great exploits here will be great. The Maccabean revolt is our classic David versus Goliath story, a brave heart type against all odds story, and the Maccabeans will carry out great exploits in an armed rebellion against Antiochus and his armies. And when the Greeks went to a small town north of Jerusalem, they encounter a man named Matthias. He refuses to worship like the Greeks, and he overpowers a Greek soldier and kills him. And his five sons fend off the rest of the Greeks, and an uprising breaks out north of Jerusalem. And this is where I'm going to start pulling from the historical apocrypha book, the book of Maccabees. Uh, because the history in it um, really in many ways mirrors the historical accounts of Josephus, um, and it really documents this war that the Maccabees are going to have against Antiochus. First Maccabees 2.27, And Matthias cried out in the city with a loud voice, saying, Whosoever is zealous for the law and maintains the covenant, let him come forth after me. And he would later say that this when challenged with the fear of man. First Maccabees 2.62, And be not afraid of the words of a sinful man, for his glory shall be dung and worms. And his countrymen will join him. And when Matthias dies... His son becomes his general, and he didn't die in war. He pretty much died of older age. And his son's name, his third-born son of the five sons, his name is Judas. And he conducts a guerrilla war and has many victories against the numerical superior Greeks, and his legend grows, and his name grows in stature, and becomes known to history as Judas Maccabee. And two names were not normal then, but in this case it was well-deserved. Maccabee means the hammer. 
and the hammer smashing the Greeks to pieces, and some historians believe it was referred to as weapon of choice. Battle after battle is recounted in the history books with great detail. First Maccabees 3.18 And Judah said, It is an easy thing for many to be shut up in the hands of a few, but with heaven it is all but one, to save by many or by few. In one of the battles, Antiochus sends two generals with a huge army to hunt down Judas and his band of rebels, and they end up sending a force to attack him at night in the hills. Well, Judas catches wind of the assault and force marches his army and smashes the attacking force and follows up with a crushing victory even on the two generals. 1 Maccabees 3.19 For victory in battle stands not in the multitude of an army, but strength is from heaven. And in a three-year campaign, he would win battles and retreat in the hills, and each time growing in strength. And eventually his forces succeeded in routing the Greeks and forcing them to leave most of Judah. And on the 25th of the Jewish month of Kislev, Judas takes Jerusalem and restores service to the temple. They reconsecrate the temple to God and clean it up after the desecration. And the tradition holds, a tradition told 300 years later, or documented 300 years later, because it's not in the history books, unfortunately. But the tradition goes that after he purified the temple, they set up the holy lampstands to burn. And once they were set up to burn, it was determined they only had one day's worth of purified oil. Though they only had one day of oil, a search was given to find and refine the required holy oil to keep the lamps burning. Unfortunately, it took eight days to obtain the oil. Yet after eight days, the lamps were still burning supernaturally. And today to this day, Hanukkah is celebrated by millions of Jews by lighting the first of eight menorah candles and gifts are given and celebrated throughout their synagogues and homes. Though Hanukkah is not considered one of the seven major Jewish feasts, it was honored by Jesus. John 10.22 The festival of dedication then took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the Solomon's portico. The festival of dedication would later come to be known as Hanukkah, yet back then they probably didn't celebrate the miracle of the oil as much as the reconsecration of the temple as a primary focus. The reconsecrating of our inner hearts to prepare for a move of the Spirit. We conclude this episode with the symbolism of this moment. When Judas found the temple and the disgusting pagan desecration of it, he had to clean it. And if the Holy of Holies represents our heart, Repentance leads it to cleansing. God offers this to those who repent. Jesus died on the cross to be the final sacrifice and atonement for sin. No longer are the sacrifices needed. The ultimate sacrifice has already occurred. We just have to receive what he has done. This is our part. Asking God for forgiveness of our sins, and his blood will cleanse our hearts in the inner place of the temple. And this is what Judas did. And this is what we must do when we follow God. The next step is to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to empower you, for you to ask him to make you a new creation. And this is what he will do, the oil. The miracle of Judas Maccabee represents the Holy Spirit and the oil that never runs out. The only way for us to run out of the Holy Spirit is to reject or mourn or not obey the Holy Spirit. The miracle of eight days is symbolic because eight represents new beginnings. 
A new beginning is for those who clean their hearts and welcome God in their life. You have this opportunity, and if you have never given your heart to Jesus, just do it. Get on your knees and repent for your sin and ask him to forgive you and let him clean the temple of your heart. Just do it. If you've never done it, uh, just get on your knees and, uh, and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And then ask him to fill you and empower you with his Holy Spirit to light your lamp. John the Baptist said, I come to baptize you with water. The one who comes after me will baptize you with fire. Give your heart to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit light your lamp. Bless you. Bless all the listeners during this festival of lights. and Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Talk to everyone next year. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.